game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. Good evening, Texans, and welcome. It's playoff weekend in a couple of days. Hey, in 48 hours, we're going to know how the Texans are doing against the Buffalo Bills. Maybe they're on their way to a win. Let's hope so. It is Texans All Access here at the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio across the hall from the locker room. And John McClain is our guest to lead things off tonight, a two-hour edition of the program. General, Good evening, and there's nothing like the NFL playoffs, right? Good evening. Happy New Year. I get especially excited, Mark, when the start of the season. That's always really, really exciting. And then the start of the playoffs. You know, we've seen the Texans play 20 games, Mm -hmm. and it seems like training camp was so long ago, the trip to Green Bay, but now they're back in the playoffs. They're playing the Bills. There's a lot of fans in Houston who were around for the – January third, nineteen ninety three, lost to the Bills and and the biggest choke job in history that was just voted by that NFL committee what the seventh best game in history, and the Texans can uh, exercise a lot of those demons for a lot of fans who were here at that time and still didn't recover, and because when I wrote about it Tuesday, I think I was just bombarded with emails from people. Talking about it again, saying I dredged up old memories. Please don't how do it dare again. You. How much they want the Texans to win, and it'd be great if they get a win and uh, and to be the second under Bill O'Brien and a chance to go on the road to Baltimore. I would imagine, although Tennessee, the way the Titans are playing, they could win at New England, and then the Texans would be back at Kansas City, where they beat the Chiefs. Was it the end of October? Sometime in October. Yeah. It was, and it was great. That was a heck of a win, and one of the lists had that as a top-five game of 2019. The number-four game on NFL Network was the Texans at the Saints, which obviously was a loss, but it was a heck of a game from an objective standpoint. 58-yard field goal is time-inspired. Uh, terrible, terrible. Longest of his career. You were talking about exercising demons, but what about exercising the demons of last year? First-round exit here at home, and you want to avoid that. You have the same quarterback. I know the team – changes identity year after year but I got to think Deshaun Watson certainly remembers that and he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that does not happen again in front of the home fans I wrote about that and Bill O'Brien says the past has no bearing on the present but on the other Mm -hmm. hand you learn from experience so the past is experience and we asked Watson and he said that was motivation for the offseason to lose that game and he said, now nah, you think about it a little bit. More important is he just had playoff experience. Right. And that was their lowest scoring game of the season. Seven points, got down 21-0. Just, just a terrible game. And uh, But Andrew Luck's better than Josh Allen. They ran for over 200 yards in that game. Mm-hmm. Only time Texans gave up 100-yard rusher was Marlon Mack in that playoff game. So even though Bill O'Brien might not bring it up, 
I'll guarantee you the players are thinking about it. They need to remember that feeling, that bad taste in their mouth from coming out and being so disappointing and flat. The defense played better on both sides of the ball. I asked you on Thursday before that game about how many points you thought it would take to win, and I think we were talking about if you scored more than 21, you would win. Mm-hmm. Turned out that'd be true. Defense played great in the second half, but bad in the first. But uh, I think you should remember it. You should think about it. And there's plenty of room in your noggin to think about this game and remember what the Indianapolis game was like. And you want to make sure uh, mentally and physically you do everything you can not to have a repeat performance. Yeah, I agree, and when you looked at last year's game and saw that second half, you mentioned it. The defense started to get it going in the second half. You had the ball numerous times, couldn't score. I always look at it like sands of the hourglass with offense and defense. If your offense is doing its job and you put up, say, 14 points in the first half or 10 or whatever, it's a completely different game. The psyche changes. uh, You are kicking off to them. Maybe you can pin them deep with a short kickoff or however you want to word that and your defense plays better knowing that your offense is doing something I know that they should pick it up no matter what but it just has an effect it's non-complimentary football when your offense isn't doing the job and that was last year this year you got to find a way to get off to a better start on offense the Bills are slow starters that's what was said to me by John Murphy the voice of the Bills and if you look at their games that bears out so Somebody needs to get off to a fast start in this game. I don't think it's going to be 0-0 at the half, so find a way to get the offense cranked up early. 3-3? Three to three. <laughs> Well, you know, it might be because they're a really good defense, and the Texans are facing this, this juggernaut defensive unit, top three in scoring and yards, and the Texans are facing Josh Allen. What do you think here? In his first playoff start, uh, Bill O'Brien talked about his ability to make make plays off schedule. You have to find a way to combat that. We saw a lot of that with Lamar Jackson up in Baltimore, but he's a different kind of quarterback, Allen. We saw him here last year. What do you think of him in this game? Well, first of all, let's point out the Bills had beat one winning team. Mm-hmm. That was Tennessee. And, um, and they Buff- weren't exactly themselves at that point either. And Buffalo won, lost here 2013 last year. Josh Allen got hurt. Nathan Peterman came in through a pick six, Jonathan Joseph, and they won. Looking back, that was the first game after Watson got hurt against Dallas with a collapsed lung and a, and a broken rib, but we didn't know it because they didn't travel and have to send him on a luxury coach. So that's one reason they didn't score more. Buffalo's defense, 16.1 points, second to the Patriots. What happened to the Patriots here? Texans played their best game. You know, that's the thing. You don't know what to expect here. Do you, the Texans, to me, have not scored as much as they should have based on their talent. And then what they did to New England's defense, which was the best in the league, and on a record pace to to play them like they did, they've got to somehow muster that kind of mental and physical effort and avoid like the way they came out against Indianapolis last year or Denver this year. And I think that uh, Josh Allen is not going to score a lot of points. And the Texans without Will Fuller, if they play without Will, I'll believe it when I see it, uh, don't score as much. Mm-hmm. And every stat is down. Sarah Barshop of ESPN.com, who covers the Texans, had a great story this week about the difference with and without Fuller. With Fuller, 26 points, without him, 19. 
Average per attempts almost two yards less without Fuller. And it's not just him. It's the effect he has on the offense. If he can limp, I'd put him out there just as a decoy, if nothing else. And if he hurts it worse, so what? He's got the off season, And uh, because they are a different offense, and I think they're going to have to score at least three touchdowns to beat the Bills. At least three. That's your number. I think I'm very close. My number is 20. My I picked it 21-19. Okay. Well, my number would still get it done. So you think 20 will win the game? I think 20 wins the game. I I do think it's that kind of contest. Okay, I got another stat for you. I've got a great one. Okay, the Texans' defense is is, uh, very inconsistent. 31 sacks, second fewest in the playoffs to Seattle with 28. But people say, well, what does Watt mean to this defense? And we know. Mm-hmm. He means a lot. Even if he's not in good football condition, he's in great cardio condition. This is a stat pro football focus for this season. Players, pass rushers who face two-plus blockers. Watt, 127 times in eight games. He beat them 29.1%. Number two, Joey Bosa, 23.1. That is substantial with Watt beating two-plus blockers. Now, Bosa had 169, but Watt played eight games. If Watt had played his full season, that would have been 254 double-team blocks or triple. And the closest to that was Ladarius Smith of Green Bay, who had 174. Wow. And that, that stat just blows me away. So the bottom line is he gets doubled more than anybody, and it opens things up for other pass rushers. Now, T.J. Watt, uh-huh. Can't, who will be on the sidelines. Uh, TJ uh, was only blocked that way 112. That's less than JJ's 127. And he only beat him 19.6%. That's still sixth in the league. So having him out there makes a big difference, not just because of him, but because of the other players. Merciless had five sacks when Watt was healthy. Mm-hmm. Remember, he went forever with just a half until yep. he had two, two games ago. So it'll help the other players. They're healthy. On defense, uh, Tashawn Gibson's out, but Jalil Adai and A.J. Moore will come in or they'll play an extra corner. But against Allen and Buffalo's running game with Frank Gore and rookie Devin Singletary, it's all about the run. Yep. And and we talk about Derrick Henry at 6'3", 247. What about Josh Allen at 6'5", 237? Has run for nine touchdowns. So when they get in the red zone, he is a bigger running threat than Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. I'll tell you what, he's the biggest concern for me on their offense. I know they have John Brown, 1,000-yard receiver, like you said. They have a lot of guys who can hurt you. But Josh Allen, his ability, things break down. I'm going to go ahead and run. And all of a sudden, he ran for 15 yards at a big first down late in a potential game-changing field goal or touchdown drive. That worries me almost more than anything because you can play good defense and a running quarterback can still beat you. And that's the problem with him. Remember, he got hurt out here because he had a Ryan Fitzpatrick-type run where he sacrificed the body. And, look, I don't. I think he's a lot smarter than that now. You look at his touchdown pass numbers going up. The, the TD to interception ratio is pretty healthy now. But, John, he's still only a 58% passer. So somehow you got to keep him in the pocket, which is so much easier said than done when you're, when you're talking about guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen who like to run a lot. I mean, that's difficult to do. So got to stay disciplined, right? He also has design running plays when they're in the red zone. Yikes. And, uh, you know, it's the same way everything you said is about Texans' opponents going against Deshaun Watson. You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't want to run, but he can run. I looked up because I think of Deshaun being fast. At yeah. the combine, he ran in a four sixes. 
So that's not real fast. Lamar Jackson's running a four twos, but he's shifty and he's smart mm-hmm. and he's a good runner. Allen is a is a smart runner. He's not shifty, he's too big, but he'll run over you. Right. And he doesn't look to go down or go out of bounds, which is not smart. At some point, that's going to catch up with him. And John Brown, I'd double him. I'd keep a safety over there and have a corner on him and just I'd let the other guys beat me. And uh, J.J. going up against a rookie, Cody Ford, and obviously he'll have help. That'll be a good indoctrination for him. If J.J. can just – he doesn't have to get two sacks. You know, he was on a pace for 40 quarterback hits. He had 20 in those eight games, still by far the most on the team. But he will impact the, the game plan for offense coordinator Brian Dayball just, just by being on the field. If he's healthy, if healthy enough to really get after it, I don't mind those three-man rushes sometimes. You know, personally, my personal opinion, when I see a three-man rush, I if it's against the Texans, I'm kind of happy because I feel like Deshaun's going to have time and he's going to be able to scramble if necessary and buy time and find an open man. And if the Texans are playing D, I always gasp because if it's a talented quarterback, he knows he's got the time to really make something happen. So if it's a three-man rush and J.J.'s rushing, then he's got a, a, an opportunity to get after the quarterback. John, what about special teams? In this matchup, I think it's absolutely huge. We talk about it every week, but it's the playoffs now. Field position is going to be bigger and more important than ever. Mark, let me say one more thing about Watt. I think it would be grossly unfair to think he's going to come out and play like he does if he had been playing all along. Sure. Remember last year he missed most of the offseason rehab. It took three games for him and Clowney and Watt, and they don't have that luxury now. I mean, Watson, because they'd all been out. Yep. So if he could could just disrupt – Josh Allen has receivers a couple of times, make it flush him out of the pocket. You know, J.J.'s great at chasing from the backside because of his relentlessness and the fact he's fast and, and, and he's smart and he can get away from blockers. So if Allen, who's strong enough and has a great arm, he can throw going to his left, he's going to have Watt chasing him, he better get rid of the ball fast. As far as the special teams, the most consistently good thing about the Texans this year has been the special teams. Number one in punt coverage, number one in kickoff coverage, number one in opponent field position after kickoffs, number two in net punting average, and Kaimi Fairbairn's done a tremendous job of direction directional kickoffs instead of just kicking it out of the end zone and mm-hmm. coming to the 25, that's worked great. Brad Seeley has done a tremendous job here. Uh, Carter's like third in punt returns, but it's nine yards. People aren't returning punts anymore like they used to. And kickoff returns are good enough, but I just can't say enough good things. The the blocks, mm-hmm. the breakups of fake, fake field goal in Tennessee, and if the special teams could contribute a big play or two, and I'm not talking about a field goal, but a big play to impact field position, Texans have a better chance to win. Boy, Andre Roberts is a good return man, and it'll be interesting to see if they try to tempt the return or go ahead and kick it out of the back of the end zone and just say, screw it, we're going to go to the 25-yard line. Not sure what they're going to do. The general stays with us. Let's talk more about this game and the other games going on. What kind of chance does the general give the Titans to beat New England in Foxborough and coaching carousel stuff? Let's get to it all on Texans All Access Hot Reads. This is the opening segment with the general one gigantic hot read brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. It's Texans Radio. 
Texans Radio in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and the General John McClain with you as we talk Texans Bills 335 kickoff on Saturday afternoon. And it'll be live right here also on ABC 13. Tune in, watch it, listen to it, ingest it. And let's hope the Texans get out with a victory because next week they will play who if they win, John? What are you thinking? Baltimore. Now, let me ask you something. Trivia mm-hmm. question. Okay. Four teams have had winning records the last four years. Who do mm-hmm. you think they are? The Chiefs, definitely. Yep. The Patriots. Yep. Not the Packers. The Saints? Nope. Seahawks are third. Seahawks. Now, you'll never get the last one. I'll give you 10 seconds. Uh, no, I give up. The Titans. Nine and seven oh every year. You know, that's so tricky. Isn't that unbelievable? Because it's nine and seven, and they missed the playoffs last year. Two years ago, they went. Four years ago, they did not go. They did not go with that first nine and seven. Remember, uh, the Saints had those three, seven, and nine seasons in yeah. a row, so they gave up on the Greenbrier, and then they got good again. That's true. Sometimes that shows patience by an owner in a front mm-hmm. office pays off. A lot of people were saying they've got to get rid. They've got to get rid of Sean Payton, and they stuck with it, and now – Saints are Super Bowl contender. I, I think Sean Payton's one of those guys where if he was dismissed, he would get a job in ten oh, seconds. Of course, of he course. Would. Uh, and sometimes it's the change of scenery thing. But you're right; they were sort of flatlining and going underneath that. Uh, but three consecutive winning seasons for them, because ever since the Texans went to the Greenbrier, the Saints have been winning. So it's kind of interesting to put it that way. All right, Titans in Foxborough. What kind of chance do you give them? I never pick against the Patriots anytime, especially at yeah. home ever. Never in the playoffs. But they are coming off that loss to Miami. They are playing in the first round for the first time in 10 years. Short week. They've, But you'd think this is tailor-made for Belichick to bounce back. Yeah. The, the, you would think. Now, if they lose this game, everybody, that's it. Dynasty's over. But I think the Titans, because Derrick Henry is such having such a great year, mm-hmm. Tannehill, 70%, best rating in the league, doesn't turn it over. They got a chance, but I don't think they will win. I think the Patriots are going to win. I agree with you with everything you said. I think that Tannehill makes me a little nervous in this situation. This is the playoffs in Foxborough. It's tough. He's been there plenty of times as a Dolphin. Been there plenty of times. That part of it, being in the environment, shouldn't really phase him, but the stage is the postseason, and it's bigger than ever, and we know how tough it is to win up there in January. Do you think it helps Laramie Tunsil to know the Bills so well? I think it does a little bit, sure. No one who's coming off the edge. But the Bills have changed. Two years ago, that playoff team, and John Harris and I did this. He did the research. There's one offensive starter that's remained on the team wow. from two years ago in the postseason. Wow. On defense, you think, well, they, they were good on defense. They must be loaded with starters from that playoff team. Four. That's it. Five starters out of the 22 that played in Jacksonville and lost that low-scoring game in the first round. So this is a very different Bills team. McDermott's done a really nice job, obviously, coaching They've done a good job in the front office, and here they are in the playoffs. All right, so you think the Patriots do pull it out against Tennessee. But, John, I'll go back to this. That Miami game, the Patriots, it wasn't like they didn't know what was at stake. It wasn't like they didn't know the Dolphins had some assets. It wasn't like they've never lost to the Dolphins in December before, because they have, but down there, not in Foxborough. So they knew all of that and still couldn't pull it out. If I'm a Patriot fan, that part of it worries me. Oh, ho, ho, Fitz magic. Love him. I mean, you know, he's uh, – look, it, the magic does run out, 
But when it's when the magic meter is on full or at least three quarters, you got something going, and he certainly did that day. That was pretty cool. Can you imagine what that playing like was back to Miami with Brian Flores and all the coaches that were all with New England? With that them? was like winning the Super Bowl oh, for them. Oh, my goodness. I, and I was happy for them, actually, because of everyone thinking they're tanking and then they're not tanking, and they were able to Does pull that out. Does anybody want the Patriots in the Super Bowl again? Absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. Look, this is – I would like to see it end. You know, I don't want to see the Titans have success, but – you know, if we're going to play the game of, hey, what if, and if the Texans beat the Bills and the Titans win, then both teams win next week, you know what happens in a couple of weeks here. Let's not get into that right now. Okay, John, what about Jacksonville and Doug Marone remaining there? I'm happy for Doug. Great guy. The media likes him. Fans like him. They blamed everything on Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Dave Caldwell. Was, was that accurate to blame everything on Tom Coughlin? I'm guessing if I'm, they're right there. Shad Khan's got his son, Tony, working in the front office. So they Jeez. know. And remember, before two years ago, they lost 24-20 in AFC Championship game at Foxborough. So I'm glad to see him get another shot. Caldwell was the GM who, who took, drafted a lot of good players. Then Coughlin came in there over him and got rid of a lot of those guys. So I'm, I think it's great that Doug Marone kept his job. Now they got to decide. The highly paid Nick Foles or the mustache going into his second year as a six-round mm. pick making nothing. Yeah, that is a tough decision. There are going to be a lot of quarterbacks out there looking for work and finding that it might be a buyer's market, really, with all the different kinds of uh, QBs that are available. If I'm a college guy, now if I'm to attack of law and I've had all those injuries, I'm coming out. But if there's another one, say Jake Fromm of Georgia, you could conceivably have, let's see, uh, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, their contracts are up, Philip Rivers' contracts up, Derek Carr, Cam Newton, Eli Manning, uh, Nick Foles. Uh-huh. That's a lot of veteran – Teddy Bridgewater, that's a lot of veteran quarterbacks out there with these guys vying for the top spots. We know Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati with the first pick. Justin Herbert or Oregon will be the second quarterback. But after that, you know, Tagovailoa could fall all the way down to the Patriots or something. Because the lower you go, the better team you're going to be with, like when Ben Roethlisberger went to Pittsburgh. So I've never seen a quarterback market like this. Now, Breeze and Brady will re-sign. I'm guessing Rivers will re-sign. But still, there's still going to be a lot of veterans. You think there's no way that this is it for Brady, that he walks away if they lose nope. Saturday I or something like that? I think there's no way he'd want to walk out like that. Not that he'll ever win another Super Bowl, but uh, the guy, no, I don't see it now. He's in, as this the last year of the contract, I think he'll sign a one- or two-year deal to stay. But if he became a free agent, who wants – it's a terrible thing to say. He's the greatest in history. But I watched Johnny Unitas, who was the greatest in history, end up going – to San Diego and be terrible. Yeah. You know, and Joe Montana had one moment in Kansas City. So, But it was a Brady's hell of a moment. Gonna, and it, it was. It, it kind of, it, it's part of the legend of Joe Montana, and Brady's a huge Montana fan, so I wonder if that comes into his mind. He was 40. Brady will be a 43. Would yeah. you want to start over nope. with a 43-year-old quarterback? No, but if I have a young guy and I have Tom Brady to be the mentor, if you will, and start until this kid's ready, and then Brady ends up playing anyway through the season, and Brady thinks he's going to have his wild card game, winning moment i don't know i I don't know what goes on in the mind of tom brady but it would not shock me if this somehow is it in new england it would not shock me at this point i would be shocked if it is okay uh let's get to some other stuff here as the dallas cowboys are sort of evaluating their situation it is bizarre john bizarre doesn't begin to to explain what 
pro football focus has out there mm-hmm. that that one of the rumors <laughs> one of the rumors is Gary, I love this one. Gary Kubiak mm-hmm. who is a senior advisor in Minnesota he advises uh Kevin Stefanski the first year offensive coordinator oversees their offense and he also helps Mike Zimmer when Mike needs advice that uh that he would be a co-coach with Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. Jason Garrett would handle day-to-day, and Gary would be the big picture, and I just I don't Co-coach. buy that. I do not buy that for a second, but it's certainly intriguing. Well, if Gary was going to coach again, it would help to take some of the, the media obligations and some of the other stuff off his plate, but how do you do that in the NFL? I just don't see that Co-head working. Co-head coaches. Yeah. There's no way that would work. And I'll guarantee you Gary Kubiak wouldn't do it. And I like to think Jason Garrett would walk away rather than having Kubiak shoved down his throat. Interesting, because they they love Garrett, clearly. They love him as an employee. They do. The media likes him. He's such a good guy. I hope he lands on his feet. And, of course, everybody loves Gary Kubiak. But if Gary wanted to be a head coach again, he could do much better than being a co-coach with Jason Garrett. John, Chris Ballard was very frank during his Ooh, media he session. Sure was. Eric Ebron. No, we're going to move on. I, that's not even. <laughs> that's Jury still out on Jacoby Is that Brissett? even polite? Now, he was not Bruce Arians honest when Arians analyzed Cam, I mean, uh, Jameis Winston this mm-hmm. week. But uh, then the media and the fans appreciate Ballard's candor. And. And uh, I like that. I think that's great. They got a lot of cap money. Mm-hmm. I read one thing by a person I respect covers the team, said there's going to be a lot of changes. And I'm thinking, okay, in personnel, Brissette had one really good game. Guess who it was against? Yeah, don't remind me. And that was it. Yeah. And people tried to say, well, he was hurt. But he did not play well down the stretch. He didn't play well any time except against the Texans. So if I'm them with all these quarterbacks, I'm thinking seriously about another one because I believe that deal he signed and negotiated on his own is a two-year deal. Does Ryan Tannehill's success make teams rethink about quarterbacks who have had a shot? Maybe it didn't work out, but they do have talent. Maybe it works out with us. I got to think that helps. When John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans, made that deal for a song and a prayer, uh, I saw him at a fundraiser we did together in Nashville, and I said, you know what, when Mariota gets hurt, I think he's going to be a good a good deal for you because he's hungry, need to change the scenery, had no idea it would be like this, and they never had any idea he's going to play. It was insurance for when Mariota got hurt. So Tannehill's 31. It's a good system for him. He's got talent around him. Arthur Smith's an offensive coordinator that works well with him. That's why he better not try to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think he's smart enough to stay there. And, yes, remember Rich Gannon that worked with him, Testaverde. Yep. There's a Jim Plunkett, Billy Kilmer. There's quarterbacks throughout history. If they got to 30 in that age, a light bulb went off about football and decision-making process and learning. Then the key is to get a coach who believes in you and has a system that fits what you do, and that's what they have in Nashville with Tannehill. John, what's going on in the Chronicle? We've got a special section on Saturday that we're doing about the game, and uh, I'm writing about, uh, let's see, for Friday, I'm writing about Texans giving up big runs lately, which they didn't do the rest of the year and why and what they have to do to prevent it with Devin Singletary. And uh, 
Aaron Wilson, Brian Smith, Jerome Solomon, we everybody's writing. We have two podcasts on Texas Sports Nation. I have takeaways in which I use that watch stat from Pro Football Focus on Texas Sports Nation. Thank you very much, and I will see you on Saturday. Looking forward to it. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. Hey, if the Texans score two or more touchdowns, head to your closest jack-in-the-box. They scored two last week. The next day, it's got to be the next day for your free Texans jumbo jack with a large Drake purchase. Do it. Coming up, John Harris and I play more likely to happen, more on the playoff games this weekend. Texans-Bills, of course, top of mind, 335 on Saturday. It's Texans Radio. Moving right along on the program in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio in advance of the Texans taking on the Bills Saturday. Wild card weekend gets rolling at 335. Houston, Buffalo here at NRG Stadium. John Harris joins us in studio now, Johnny. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. Can I can I vent on something just really vent. fast while while we're here? That's what so, radio's for to vent. You have time to do it. CBS Sports mm-hmm. ranked the twelve quarterbacks in the playoffs, which oh, include our man Deshaun Watson. Don't tell me. Okay, where? Well, there are a couple of them. So Josh Allen's rated twelfth. All right. Which, I don't know. Okay. Well, look, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but in fairness to yeah, everybody else, time, I, mean, I yeah. mean, you have to kind of put him there. Carson Wentz at 11. Wentz has been carrying that offense in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. carrying it with nobody around him. Okay. Number 10, Aaron Rodgers. See, that's just people. It's funny. Is there a more polarizing guy this season? Oh, this season, yep. Than Aaron Rodgers. No, Before, the love was just flowing endlessly for him. He's better than Tom Brady. Right? Right? Right. And now, no, I don't like, know if he's oh, so good. He and LaFleur don't get along, whatever. Number nine, Tom Brady. Really? Really? Yeah, uh, Number eight, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if that's fair either. Come on, on. Garoppolo okay. had a nice year. Buckle in. Okay. Sean Watson, number seven. But right. wait, 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 wait. Before you consider that. Okay. Consider that Kirk Cousins is at number six. That is, yes. And Ryan Tannehill's at number five. Now, that is not good. That is not fair. Tannehill's got to be way down with Allen, all right? And Cousins, what have you done for me lately or ever? Cousins the top six of these quarterbacks? All right, let's have a draft. You know, let's leave our guy out of it so we don't have to be accused of being partisan. Lamar, Mahomes, those are your first two. I think it's Mahomes. Look, if I'm picking and, and Watson's not in the draft of quarterbacks in this playoff round, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Mahomes first. Now Lamar is obviously based on what he's doing right now with this. I right. see. I love Lamar. I don't want to take anything away. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm accusing him of being a system guy or anything because I'm really not. I think he's tremendous. They've built the damn thing around him. They have built it around him. I have my doubts about the long term, and by long term, I mean five to ten years sustainability of what they're doing right now. I mm-hmm. think he will and has to emerge and improve as a passer. Mark, he throws more touchdowns on the pocket that listen. A lot of it is based on what he's able to do on the ground, right? Right. The fear factor of him taking off with the football. I'm not going to take anything away from what he's doing, but he's going to have to continue to develop as a passer so he doesn't have to run this much because if you run this much, it's not going to last forever. This just in. Putting Kirk Cousins ahead of Brady, Mm -hmm. uh, Wentz, Garoppolo, and Deshaun is criminal. Well, let it's me, criminal. You you have a team. I'll give you a team. The Minnesota Vikings, right? And you get to, want- and you get to pick a quarterback. And I'm going to throw. Here are your options: Cousins, Brady, 
Garoppolo, Wentz, Allen. How many of those are going in front of Cousins? At least three. Yes. Maybe four. Right. At least so, three, maybe so, four. So there it is. You're going to – I mean, Cousins, look, and we're not saying he's terrible, but he hasn't won a playoff game yet. Mm. So that's a small detail right there. Mm. And often in big games, look, they just had the Packers at their place. They just had them yep. there. And they couldn't and beat them. Lost. It cost them dearly to not win that game. And that's why they are where they are now. So that's no good. You know, it's funny because all the lists are out, right? The end of the season lists yeah. and the game of the year and the games of the decade and the games of the 100 years and all of that. And we talked about it a little bit last night, I believe, how the Texans-Saints game on NFL Network was number four. Yeah. Texans-Chiefs game on NFL Films was NFL number Films four. NFL Presents was number four. Texans showing up in some of these things. Huh? I know. It's nice. And with Watson... I think I'm not saying Watson's polarizing, but you see some reviews. Oh my gosh, you got to watch out for Watson because in the postseason here he's going to heat up. It's going right. to be trouble for opponents. And other reviews that are saying, well, look, you've got some other great quarterbacks in these playoffs, and you know he's going to have to prove it on this stage. And look, it, that's fair too because of what happened last year, right? Aren't you seeing it kind of that way yeah. that the stigma, the specter of what went on last year yes. and i'm not saying it's hanging over here in the building but yep. from outside the building that's some of the noise out there that i'm not saying they have to overcome but i guess they have to overcome it in the minds of others mm-hmm. and until they do it that's going to be somewhat of a narrative outside of this building yeah there's no question i think that combined with as this writer put it sean wagner magoo put it the 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 slump if you will mm-hmm. down the stretch after the New England game, the you know struggles obviously against Denver, uh, losing that game, but then handling Tennessee and then not looking great in a Tampa Bay game uh, at all, really, and struggling in there. So there's there's some of that that I can I can see people saying that, and I can see them saying, oh, last year that playoff game, but we know that circumstances, and this is for all quarterbacks, not just Deshaun. There's circumstances that led to. All of that, but when we start ranking quarterbacks and doing things like that, especially these twelve, I, I think when you look at this group of twelve quarterbacks, I mean, there there are significant positives across the board. There have been some years where team has gotten to the playoffs, and you're like, that guy's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Allen's rated twelfth, and he's as as he's as difficult to handle as anybody on that list because of all of his skills, his arm strength, his ability to run, break tackles, all that kind of stuff. I would much rather face Kirk Cousins on Saturday than I would Josh Allen. Much rather. Oh, I would much rather. I would much rather face a, a, a few. Um, who else? That's would a I good face way to put list? it. Who else would I rather face? Would I, I don't know. If Josh? I, no, no. Not, but Cousins is the one to me where I look at it and go, he doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. He doesn't scare well, you feel me like, at all. You feel like you can scout him, and if they're not running the ball well, it's it's not on his somebody shoulders. Could, yeah, not somebody who can to beat win you. a big game. I feel really? like. With, with the Bills, if they're not throwing it or running it well, Allen's running ability is still a huge factor in playing this football team, and you better be ready for that. Yep, absolutely. And I think that that's where he ends up being a really big problem. And then you throw in Devin Singletary. You know, the one thing, just kind of watching, I've watched, I watched the Browns game, I watched the Patriots game, I watched the Ravens. I watched I watched Thanksgiving Day, when I, the Cowboys game. So I've seen the Bills play a, a pretty significant amount, and – the one thing I keep coming back to, there's there's one outstanding thought on bo- for, for both sides of the ball. 
and that is relentlessness. When guys get the football and, they, and they're running the ball, they don't go down on first contact. Mm. Singletary breaks tackles all the time. Josh Allen does not go down in the pocket easy. Uh, the receivers are a little smaller, so it doesn't really pertain to them as much, but Dawson Knox is a thick athletic tight end, and defensively they just keep coming. They just keep coming. I mean, one guy hits you, here comes two or three others. They're always punching at the football. In in two, at least two of the games I saw, guys running from behind, punching the ball out. Uh, Jordan Poyer did it against Rex Burkhead in the of the Patriots game, and I can't remember the I other saw one. that it was one. Ra- I think it was Ravens game. They're relentless. They just don't stop coming, and that is that's something that our guys have got to pay attention to, especially when they're rushing the quarterback. Because you know it gets to a point where offensive linemen have clock in their head. They're like, okay, the ball should be gone by now, and they look back, and Deshaun still got the ball. Yep. Our guys hopefully have adapted to that, and with a team like this that doesn't stop coming, that ends up being sacks. When you say, ah, he should have thrown. Oh no, he still got the ball. You've got to match them whistle to whistle. Whistle to whistle. When you're tackling them, you got to bring everybody to the party. When you are protecting Deshaun, or you're on your run blocks, you got to stay on that thing all the way to the whistle because you got to match them, physical for physical and from whistle to whistle. Because that's the one thing that stood out to me more than anything else. They just keep coming. It doesn't matter what the situation is, offense, defense, and special teams. They just don't stop. Hey, on that list, how high was Breeze ranked four. among four? He was four. Wait, go, go through uh, the top that. five I'm again. Sorry, I'm sorry. Wilson was Wilson was four. Breeze was three. Okay. Mahomes two. Jackson one. You know, Russell Wilson is tremendous. Yeah. There's no doubt. And I'm so glad for him. He's having the kind of career he's having, especially since he was a third-round draft yep. choice. I love this stuff. I love Breeze, a second-round draft choice. I don't love Brady, but look, he's a six-round draft choice. I love that he was a six-round draft choice. Yeah. I like it, guys, when, when guys do this. when Not exactly from out of nowhere, in Brady's case, probably, but guys who are not drafted in the first round, but they make noise as an NFL quarterback over a long period of time. So yeah. I'm happy for Russell Wilson in that regard. That game that they played with the 49ers, I mean, he had six or seven shots inside the 15, unable to get it in the end zone. Now, I know there was a so-called bad non-call there. Yeah. But credit the 49ers, and look, they're a tough team to deal with. This is going to be interesting as the top seed rolls through them. It blows my mind, Johnny, that the top seed goes through San Francisco. I know that there were high hopes with Garoppolo coming back and everything, but they've really done the job on both sides of the football. When we saw them here two years ago, we saw a lot of talent. Uh, obviously, it was a work in progress, and yep. my gosh, what progress they've made. You know, one of the things that we saw a little bit of, and they were kind of banged up when they were here, so we didn't see them as much as the defensive front. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, we didn't see as much of them in practice because they were a little bit banged up. I think we ended up seeing 91 Armstead a little bit. But then they added Nick Bosa. Mm. Then they added D Ford. Then they signed Quan Alexander, who actually hasn't played. In fact, Drake, Drake Greenlaw, the man who made that tackle at the goal line, was the guy replacing Quan Alexander, Greenlaw, rookie out of Arkansas. But you could see the makings of it because physically up front, you're looking at their D-line, you're going, whoa. Now you add Nick Bosa in it. Now you add D Ford to it. Now you add Quan Alexander at linebacker, and you're like, boy, that front seven's pretty darn salty. Look out. I mean, they got a bunch of first-rounders. I mean, Buckner, Armstead, Bosa, Ford, all first-rounders. All of them. 
And then they add a little bit of depth. We started to see a little bit of that defensive line when they came here a couple years ago and thought, boy, this is going to be a tough team to tangle with in, in due time. And they just added more pieces to it, got Jimmy healthy, and offensively, you know, Kyle does an excellent job of scheming guys open. And, of course, you got George Kittle, who has been phenomenal. But they've added a couple of receiver pieces. But I'm with you. I, I would have thought it would go through New Orleans. I, I just had a feeling. I thought New Orleans would be that team, offense, defense. They're pretty good. But they just have stumbled on themselves this year. They couldn't. They lost to the Falcons. They couldn't close out that game to the Niners. Mm-hmm. They just had a couple of games that were right there in front of them at home yeah. where you would think they don't lose. That they ended up losing and ended up costing them, and now they've got to play this weekend. They almost lost to the Texans on opening day as well. Should have. They sprung some leaks defensively that maybe they wouldn't have last year, and it's too bad for them that they weren't able to get to the Super Bowl, the bad no call yeah. last year. If that had happened to the New York Giants or the L.A. Rams or something, there would have been a federal investigation. Forget about the Rams. I know it's an L.A. market team, but it doesn't work yet. It doesn't work yet for me yeah. to say that they have that kind of clout in the National Football League as the Giants or the Cowboys or the Patriots, a team like that. And credit the Patriots because they built up that cloud over the last decade and a half because they they had zero heading into None. that Brady-Belichick era. None. They were, they were a team that was so beaten down. Even though they had been to two Super Bowls, they were so beaten down national reputation-wise, mm-hmm. uh, but they are clearly the exact opposite of that right now. Wait, a couple of quick uh, a sidebar here. How many primetime games next year for the Houston Texans? Ooh. Holy smokes. Well, you know, with Lamar, yes. With That's at home, you would Ball. think. And Kansas City. Is that Kansas City? I would think that one, too. That has potential. The Patriots are here the again. The Patriots are here, so I would think that. With uh, with Tom Brady not on the team anymore, Stidham is playing quarterback at this. I'm just kidding. We'll get to that and more likely to happen, which we've delayed Ooh. a segment, by the way. I I would think those, Baltimore, Kansas City, New England, were definitely going to be candidates. you got Pittsburgh. Right. you got Green Bay coming here, mm-hmm. which was a primetime game eight years ago. Or that was. Seven years ago. That was Sunday. a primetime game a in prime 2012. Sunday night game, yeah. Sunday night game. So you do have a lot of potential. In fact, I think both, four. How I about four? Both times the Packers have been here, it's been a Sunday night game. Brett Favre in 2004. That was a Sunday night game. Sunday oh, wow. night game. And you had uh, Aaron Rodgers yeah. in 2012. Now, that was the old Sunday night football with Mike Patrick. and In 2004. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul McGuire. I think that was the crew. <laughs> How about that? Oh, wow. How about that? Heisman on that crew still or no? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But it was a late field goal by the Packers that won that. Uh, I would think that. I would think. I'm going with four. Okay. And the other note I love about next year's schedule is that you have the Rust Belt Tour. That's what I'm going to call it all offseason long, where you go to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, and Chicago. I like that. I like it. I liked going to – I loved going to Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and Cleveland was a fun trip for us in 2014 as well. I wish we so, went to Cleveland more. I kind of like going up there. I like that traditional NFL city kind of thing, and Pittsburgh. And Look, you don't like playing the Steelers, but it's fun to go to Pittsburgh and do an NFL game. And Detroit-Chicago complete the 32 for me. Ooh, you haven't been there yet. Those are the two I have not. Now, I've been to each city before, but I've not been to games in those cities, so I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to those two to We got a good chance. And then... Then it's got. Then we got to see the other two. We got to see LA Stadium. We got to see Vegas. Well, maybe in the preseason, you never know. Maybe you never know. We played the Rams on the preseason last couple of years, so maybe we oh, do it again. That would be so awesome. That would be pretty cool, that right? Would be so awesome. That you know would be even more awesomer. Vegas. Well, yeah, 
But training about, camp in Vegas. What about training camp? Well, or L.A. That's where I was going. What about training camp in L.A.? Joint practices in L.A. I'd love that. That's what I'm saying. Well, we'll tell Coach O'Brien. That's what I'm, I'm sure. Saying. I'm sure he wants to hear about that immediately. So I'll go up to his office and tell him that right I'll now. I'll tell him that at half Coach, I know game. you're getting ready for the Bills, but listen, Johnny and I. We want training camp in Las Vegas. No, is that a bad idea? The desert? Yeah, maybe a little okay, too maybe warm. Okay, maybe L.A. Let's go. Okay, Let's go LA. L.A. Let me, I'll tell him that at halftime. Uh, coach, you know, it's a 17-10 game. You're ahead. You're feeling good. Training camp next year. What are you thinking? Rams? <laughs> extra practices? How, how fast would I end up, you know, up against the wall? I'm going to hook like Johnny I know, Dangerously. I know you're playing. I, I know you're Johnny Dangerously. Nice nice reference. Yeah. Old movie, fun movie. Uh I know you're playing them in the regular season, but, man, I would sign up for that Packer tour oh, every yeah. year up there. Heck yeah. Man. That place. And I would encourage every Texans fan who possibly could to go up there and join us because it is a tremendous place to go. Yeah, you, know, you and I talked about that when we were up there, and you were like, wow, this is this is the history of the game. I mean, this mm-hmm. is it. So Peyton Manning did that show, Peyton's, Peyton's Places, on mm-hmm. ESPN. Mm-hmm. And he did a couple of episodes where he ended up in Green Bay, one where he drove around with Brett Favre in Bart Starr's MVP Corvette from Super Bowl One. They drove it. around Green Bay. And Peyton Manning had the same kind of reaction you did. It was that reaction of, this is, this is the history of the game. This is the coolest place you could possibly be. And they just talked about all things in Green Bay. He talked with Favre for a long time. It was re- they went to Lombardi's house. I love it. Barty's house, and he watched film down in his basement. Oh, that is – got to see this one. really, really – got to see this one. All right, Johnny, stick around. We'll do more likely to happen got next. It. And among the items and more likely to happen, rushing yards, how they're going to come into play in this game, who's going to have more, but in a creative way. We'll get into that. And Texans friends and foes around the league. It's all coming up on Texans Radio. It's a two-hour block of Texans All-Access tonight. No Thursday night football. Hmm. The postseason, and we march on with Texans Radio every single night of the week. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Want to keep this baby going. People ask me, when are your shows done? Well, we're never really done. Yeah, we're never But I hope that the Texans are done after the Super Bowl because we'll continue. The day after the Super Bowl is the off-season edition of Texans All-Access, 6 to 7 p.m., Sports Radio 610, five nights a week. Now, before that, if the Texans happen to lose at any point, it's the Monday night after that loss, and then we wait till after the Super Bowl. But you'd hope to be playing on and continuing on, and that's the goal. That's my radio goal that juxtaposes itself to a football goal, which is to win the Super Bowl. So here's my goal. What's your goal? Here's my goal. Okay. That kind of very, very similar. Mm-hmm. But more than likely, if we got the AFC Championship game, we'd have to travel. So right. travel the AFC Championship game, win the I AFC Championship, mm-hmm. fly home, mm-hmm. do Texas Monday talking about going to the Super Bowl. Right. Then fly out that Monday to New Orleans, drive to Mobile, do the Senior Bowl that week, come back, and then go to Miami for the Super Bowl. So, you yeah, you want to be on the team playing when you go to Miami. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you want to be – because all the cameras are going to be oh, rolling, yeah, yeah. and they're going to be waiting for John Harris well, to no, come I, down the stairs. I don't care about that. No, no, I care about that. You know – all right. So, I don't care about that. I just want to go AFC Championship game, Mobile, Miami. That's how I want to spend the early part of 2020. Since it's radio and we're kind of dreaming here mm-hmm. a little bit, I mean, it's yeah, good sure. to dream because Why that's not? how you get to – you know, yeah, you dream. dream big. Work hard. I mean, we have dream walking out of the tunnel of Team Olajuwon. Yes. And you got to dream. He says you got to dream. Yes. Order, if, if you can dream it, you can do it, that kind of thing. Anyway yeah. – 
Uh, Gil Santos, former voice of the Patriots, mm-hmm. the late Gil Santos, in 2003, when the Patriots bus pulled up to the hotel, I was covering that. You know, I was just there. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what to expect or whatever. I'd right. never covered a Super Bowl before, but it's the 2003 season Super Bowl, and they're in it, you know, of course. They're in it for the second consecutive mm-hmm. year. No, no, no. They were in two it for the three. first time. Yeah, because they two were, out of three. They won it in 2001. Yeah. So they were. That was the top, They missed 2002 playoffs mm-hmm. back in 2003. Back in 2003. So he comes off the bus and he lights up a cigarette, and I'm like, you know, smoking is bad for you kids. But he was super cool. I got to say this. I mean, he's just super cool. Yeah, Gil <laughs> he really Santos, was, man. I mean, those Boston guys, Johnny Most smoked. Oh, I don't know yeah. if uh, <laughs> you, you could hear it in Johnny's voice. Ow. Yeah, he, yeah. Don't he, do it. Don't. And you know what? He quit, do but it. he quit later in life. He had yeah. to for health reasons. Yeah. And one night I'm listening to him, and he's like, hi, it's Johnny Most. Like, his voice completely cleared up. And I'm thinking, you don't even sound like you anymore. Oh, that's This weird. is bizarre. That is really weird. But I, I love Gil Sant- that. You know, Gil told me back then, because that was my second year with the Texans, and Gil and I had known each other a little bit. He was a semi-mentor of mine, and he said, uh, he said, when your team gets good, eventually there's nothing like it. Yeah. I said, look, Gil, there's nothing like it now. I'm, I'm into it. I love it no matter what. And you know what else I love? The game that has swept the nation, no longer sweeping, it has swept more likely to happen. It's more likely, more likely to happen. To happen, and here's the first one, Johnny. More likely to happen, or greater number, I should say. J.J. Watt number of plays or the combined points in this game by the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to say J.J. Watt combined plays. Or uh, plays. So Watt could play, give me a number, like 40. That's right? what I'm thinking. And then combined points. 20 to 17. This feels like a 20 to 17 game, doesn't yeah. it? It's got 20 yeah. to 17 written all over it. Yes. 20 to 17 is this era of Texans football. 21 to 17, maybe 24 to 21. Maybe. But that's what I'm thinking. 40 to 45 for JJ, and I'm thinking the game's 20 to 17. McLean, McLean said 21 to 17, I think. Or 21 to, wait, what did he say? 21 to 19. For, I don't know why he picked 19 for the Bills, but. I said the number is 20 for the Houston Texans. I always pick a number, and yep. that that is my number to get it done 20. on Saturday. 20. That feels right. And look, 20. That feels it, right. You, you think 20, people hear 20, they think, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like a lot. That should be pretty. <laughs> it's the Buffalo Bills. They yeah. lead. Uh, no, they're top three in scoring and yards defense. We'll see. The 20 points would have beaten them against the Jets, would have beaten them against the Patriots, would have beaten them against the Titans. Would have beaten them against the Eagles. Oh, they'd be out of the playoffs. Yeah, would have beaten them against the Browns. Mm-hmm. It would have. Jeez. It would have beaten them against the Ravens. Beaten them against the Patriots. Beaten them against the Steelers. So they did and they not, won. They won a number of those. They games. won all those games where they didn't hit twenty. They won. They beat the Jets with seventeen. They beat the Titans with fourteen. They beat the fourteen. Yeah, they beat the. Uh, they beat the Steelers with seventeen. How many is that? Four. Four games were 17 they, points got it done for them. And look, I know the Steelers have had all sorts of quarterback issues, but they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh with 17 points. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this yes. is the Buffalo Bills. Okay, I got your point then. Okay. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Josh Allen's rushing yards being the greater number or Texans tight ends receiving yards being the greater number. More likely to happen. More yards. Allen on the ground or Texans tight ends through the air? Texans tight ends because I do think in this game, one of the areas in which the Texans are going to have to exploit the Bills, especially if the Bills 
take away the 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 run game off a of zone read. So they take away that the they take away the R of the RPO or just the zone mm-hmm. read action. Sort of like the Ravens did, then the tight ends have got to be involved. The tight ends have got to be outlets for Deshaun to be able to just flip it out to Fells, get what you can, Felsy, find Aikens down the seam. That's the other area, too, because you know the secondary is going to be locked in on Hopkins, Fuller if he plays, Stills. Well, maybe Jordan Aikens getting in the slot. Maybe the things that Jordan did last week, as crazy as it sounds, maybe those things kind of open some eyes to the Texans and say, look, maybe we need to get Aikens a little bit more involved in the passing game. Mm. And there have been times where Deshaun has looked up Jordan in the passing game and found him. So I, I think a couple of big plays from the tight ends, and that's going to be a number, hopefully, that gets you ahead of Josh Allen. Hopefully, if Allen's got a ton of rushing yards, we could be in some we could be in some trouble. Yeah, well, can't that let that happen. happen. Cannot let that happen at all. Oh. Got to watch John Brown in the receiving game and, you know, all their guys, really. But oh. Josh Allen's legs, his ability to do things off schedule, that's a big concern for me. Here's one of the things about Allen that makes it so problematic. Sometimes when Allen is just in the pocket, mm-hmm. just in the pocket, got to deliver from the pocket, it's not always uh, pretty for him and for the Bills. When Josh Allen gets out, especially to his right, and I know you remember this because this happened early in the game against us last year. I saw him do this at Wyoming I don't know how many times. I saw him roll to the right, running full dead sprint to the right and see a receiver down the field. I saw him when he was at Wyoming throw one about 60 yards. Again, I think it was against Boise State maybe. His right foot was about to go out of bounds, and he launches, falling out of bounds 60 yards on a dime for a touchdown. He does some of his best work on the run. And last year against us, he rolled all the way right. Guys are chasing him. And for some reason, LaShawn McCoy just kind of floated to the middle of the field. And somehow, Allen throws back to him, Whoa. fading out of bounds. And McCoy ends up getting a big play. And it was the only points that the Bills scored in that game until the fourth quarter. Because they ended up getting a field goal off that drive. McCoy got it on down, got in the field goal range. They kicked the field goal. And that put them up 3 nothing. The Texans took a lead. Then had the lead for a long time in that game until Peterman came in. When he fades all the way right, he's running right, he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it. He loves to throw back across his body, and he'll throw it deep. He'll throw it short. He makes a throw in the Patriots game where when he's rolling right, he sees Cole Beasley, and there is not, there's not a foot of space in between Beasley and the defender. And Allen sticks it in on the run 25 yards away, and it's like, whoa. So – he may, when he goes to the right, he's still thinking throw. What you don't want Allen to do is to get in those design run situations. Against the Ravens, they didn't do any design runs early on. No zone reads, no nothing. The first, Two of the first three plays right out of the shoot against the Ravens in the second half were zone read, pop pass, and then zone read on the next, the, not the next play, but the play after that. And they, they ended up getting like 40 yards, and that really kind of got the offense going. So, they they use that zone read, and he pulls it to get them rolling. And I think he's going to get some yards that the Texans got to be aware of to take him down. But I still think the tight ends receiving yards is going to be a higher number. Okay, next one. More likely to happen. More likely to happen next year. Brady is in New England. Brady is anywhere else, including retired. <sighs> I think it's more likely that he's playing for the Patriots, right, than anything else. Another team. McLean and I debated this last hour. Because I said, remember who Brady's hero is. 
Joe Montana and remember where he went and what he did. Yeah. He was able to prove himself with another team. And Without it was, Bill Walsh. And it was important to him to do that because Steve Young was coming on. Now, there's no right. Steve Young in New England unless, oh, Stidham turns Stidham. In, unless he turns into that. But the point is this. Nobody's waiting in the wings with the oomph of Steve Young, or at least the perceived oomph. Okay, look, look, before I answer that, yeah. if, if, let's say that the answer to that is Brady is playing somewhere else in 2020. Right. Where would you think it would be? It would be somewhere where there's a quarterback that they drafted that they want him to mentor. That kind of thing. I wonder if he's wound that way, though. Brady? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he, he's a good teammate. Don't get me wrong. Like he's, I think he's a good teammate. Like would but, Manning do that? No. Yeah, exactly. Like would would he would Brady be that kind of guy? To like, come on, Rook, let's do it this way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Chargers make a lot of sense. It's back here in California. Jeez, the Chargers. Let me let me give you one that I'll the just, Raiders. Ah, you stole it. That's exactly where I was going. Gruden, Vegas. But see, I don't think that Brady will want to go anywhere in which. This might this might determination that I don't think Brady would want to go anywhere in which the head coach has any sort of stroke that could take any credit for the success if that makes any sense because it's with those two guys with Brady and Belichick all that you kind of hear from New England is well they want to prove they can do it without each other right that Belichick wants to prove that he can do it without Brady Brady wants to prove he can do it without Belichick which I I mean I understand as a competitor you want to you want to feel like my my success that the team success in large part of what I did, but they're the ultimate team guys too, so they knew what each one meant to each other. But that said, that's why I think the Raiders. But the Raiders came to mind. I was like, oh, that could be interesting. That could be really, really. There's interesting. so many factors involved here, but it would have to be a team that has some potential to protect him, yeah. and to win, right? And I look at a team like say Carolina, yeah. They have some juice. Oh man, he's got McCaffrey to throw to. He's got a what would McCaffrey? What would McCaffrey do with Tom Brady? I mean, that's the other thing too. Who's going to be the coaching? Who's going to be the coach? I don't know. I don't know. We're just talking. If Tom Brady, listen, I'll give you one that would be really interesting. What's that? Cleveland. Yeah, that's a little too interesting. No, because Mayfield's going to play. You got to play Mayfield. I mean, what if Josh McDaniels ends up being the guy? I mean, he's the number one pick. They're not. They're not going to let that happen. But. You want to talk about reversing whatever curses would be in Cleveland? The Bengals. No, nah, he'd never go. He'd, he'd, never, he'd never go there. I would like for Tom Brady to go to the NFC if yeah, me possible. Too. Me too, please. I Please go somewhere in the NFC. Jacksonville. No. no. Not going to happen. Not no. going to happen. Okay. Jacksonville's going to be an interesting one to watch. I mean, if they, they want to fall in love with Minshew Mania, more power to them. But uh, Jacoby Brissett. Chris Ballard, GM today, said eh, he's kind of on a short leash. Well, that's our next one. More likely to happen. Brissett at quarterback at Indy or the field? The field. The he's field. not going to do it, huh? When when Ballard when Ballard says publicly, yeah, he's pretty much on a short leash. Short leash. It's right. not good. That's a sign that there's not a ton of confidence in that guy in that building. Mm-hmm. Ballard is. If anything, he's honest, and he is going to tell you what he thinks. i got to answer the other one, too, about Brady. I think Brady, I think he stays in New England. You think, I think he stays? A, I think it's a one-year deal. I think Robert Kraft steps in and says he's not going 
anywhere. He's staying here. Well, look, this is something that obviously he's thought about. Should there be a farewell tour of sorts? Yeah. Should there? But this is the NFL. You just don't do stuff like that. You know, Manning had a little mini one because right. All right, they brought him back, and here's he's playing, and let's say goodbye properly and all yeah. of that. But with Brady, I'm just not so sure. Um, he just might want to – if they lose to the Titans, and by the way, we're going to get to that because oh, yeah, I, I want yeah. your – I want your picks on the other games, what you think might transpire in these playoffs. Uh, we got to get to Whitney Merciless as well. We're going to get an interview with him in here. we got a lot of things to do before the close of business on Texans All Access. Moving right along here on Texans All Access with John Harris. I'm Mark Vandermeer here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Texans and Bills on Saturday, 335 ESPN ABC. So it's on ABC 13. And we are on the air at 1 p.m. with Texans Extra Points. And Johnny and I are on that show sometimes, but we're not on this week. It's going to be Sean Pendergast and D.B. Sudo. We didn't get the playoff assignment. No, but I got a Telestrator assignment, so I do have a Telestrator. Yeah, so I'm not on it at all, and I'm really bummed. Now, next week, next week, if the Texans keep playing, I'm putting my foot down. I'm I'm going to be on. I'm on the show. I want to be on that pregame hype. Yeah, well, as well you should. And I'm on Texans game day, as you are, which will be on KPRC Saturday morning special time, 930 for Texans game day, so start the day off right. Yeah, I've also got a Telestrator there. I happen to see this. We're, we got plenty of things to get to. But James Palmer, our buddy from NFL Network, tweeted this earlier. And then somebody from Jacksonville wrote something that is – it's almost jaw-dropping. What's that? The highest passer rating in the first three seasons of a career – Higher passer rating through the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. Number one on that list is Patrick Mahomes, 108.9. Deshaun through three seasons is number two at 101. Mm. Number three on that list is Russell Wilson at 98.6. Interesting. Next is da- uh, Dan Marino, 96.4. And after that is Dak Prescott, 96.0. So Mahomes, Watson, Russell Wilson, Dan Marino, Dak Prescott. Minimum of 1,000 pass attempts. So Vito Stellino has been covering the Jags for a long, long time. He retweets that and says, the Jags passed up the first two for Fournette, mm-hmm. Mahomes and Watson. Right. And they passed up the third one, Russell Wilson, for a punter. Oh, gosh. And we have him And now. we have that punter. <laughs> How about that? Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson passed up the first two for Fournette, and the and the third one for a punter, that's the Jags. That's I, the Jags. Yeah, that is the Jags. And you know what? I think that you can't have too many quarterbacks. Maybe you can't have too many of any position group yeah. in the National Football League. But if you're drafting a quarterback, maybe you draft two. Or maybe you get a veteran like uh, an A.J. McCarron who can help you out. You know, it, I think here they've been through so much at the quarterback position that there's no way they're not going to have a backup that they feel like they can't win with. And I think right. they feel like – they don't want to go through this, but if they had to, they could win with A.J. McCarron. Yep. You know? And I think Alex Magoo is on the practice squad is interesting. You know, I think they're obviously he wouldn't be here if they didn't think something about him, but we'll see what kind of offseason he has yep, absolutely. And, uh, and if they can continue to develop him. I think it's very hard to develop players in the NFL, but you know, hopefully he's making the most of his opportunities. Right, I wanted to get your thoughts on the other games. Okay, and we didn't it. talk in detail. We talked about Brady and his future and what happens, but, and, and what does happen if they lose to the Titans on Saturday night in Foxborough where weather could certainly be a factor. But what do you think? What do you think happens here? I, the, the likely thing, if we're going to be more likely to happen with the result, 
the Patriots win that game. Yes. But I and when I talked about it with McLean earlier, John, that the the Patriots losing to the Dolphins was catastrophic. I mean, they lost an off week that was crucial to their chances. I mean, I'm just looking at it from their perspective yeah, yeah. right now. Crucial to their chances to advance. I mean, they love having that off week. They needed to heal Edelman up and numerous other guys, and they didn't get it. Right. Now they have to play on a short week against a very hungry, tough team. Now, yeah, they should win the game because they're the Patriots playing in Foxborough, and Belichick is the greatest game planner of all time. But this is a team that certainly can beat them. What do you think happens? Okay, I think the Patriots win, and I'm as confident about this as I am anything. The Titans were eight and five. We went in there through two, through two interceptions in the end zone, mm-hmm. and beat them in the biggest game they've played in that stadium in a long time. Beat yeah. them twenty four twenty one in their stadium. Saints come in, they get a fourteen nothing lead on the Saints again in their building. Yeah. And the Saints come back and score. Th- they outscore them thirty eight to fourteen for the rest of the game and win that game. Now you could argue the Saints. I'm sorry, the Titans didn't have anything at that point to to win. Yeah, uh, they needed to have the following week. Then they come here. We don't play anybody in that game. It's a seven point game going into the fourth quarter. I think a lot of this about the Titans that has come out this week has been in large part. Because, well, they rolled up big numbers. Derrick Henry, 2-11. Oh, he looks healthy now. They did it against our, our backup guys. Yeah. And I'll give them credit for winning the games that they did. Look, they beat Kansas City earlier in that streak. Okay. But then they ran into us. We beat them in their building. Saints beat them in their building. And the Kansas City game. I mean, look. And the Kansas City game. Credit them for winning, but that was the fluky. The Chargers should be beaten them. The Titans really honestly shouldn't be in this position. Regardless, mm-hmm. of, I mean, Tannehill's played very, very well. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, he's played very, very well. But it's 17-17 against the Colts, and they block a field goal. The, the Colts are about to kick a field goal and go ahead. Titans block it and go back. I think the Titans are very, very good. They have talent uh, at some key spots. I still think to knock out the Patriots, they've got to be able to del- deliver the knockout blow. I think Tannehill is going to be throwing that ball from his wallet. What will help Tannehill is he's seen New England before. That will help him to a degree that he has played well and has beaten them before. That's what I was saying. But he's beaten them in Miami. Yeah. He's never gone up there. Now, he's probably got as much talent around him as he's ever had. But I think when it comes to to crunch time, I just don't know that I trust that Titans defense to completely stop the Patriots. I think the Patriots win that ballgame. Well, I don't trust that, and I don't trust Tannehill's ability to – Rally them for a late score in Foxborough. I think that's going to be tough. Now, I know Fitzy just did it. Right. And that was a very important game for them. No one can tell me that they were looking past the Dolphins. I just cannot believe that. That game was no, too important. They Belichick were not. put too much emphasis on it. They knew how it, how they had to have it. Maybe they're just not as good. But I agree with that. I don't think the Patriots are as good as they've been. But in Foxborough, in the playoffs, reaching back one time to find the fastball, I think they find it against a team that's not as not as great as everybody thinks it is. And then they got to go on the road, to yeah, play and, the Chiefs, yeah, and it, it, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. And if they lose, obviously, and the Texans win, Texans play the Chiefs. We know that story. Yeah. If they win and the Texans win, the Texans play the Baltimore Ravens next week. We'll talk about that in just a moment here. But looking at the NFC games. Vikings, Saints. Interesting. Saints, big. 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 
Yeah, I don't but... know the status of Dalvin Cook. I mean, that's going to be that's a huge part of this. The the Vikings have gone in that Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak offense. They've gone as Dalvin Cook has taken them. Right. Adam Thielen's been banged up. So, yeah, having Thielen back would, would help if he's healthy and Stephon Diggs. But we go back to our conversation from earlier. Kirk Cousins. You absolutely 1,000% believe in Kirk Cousins in the dome mm-hmm. in a playoff game when he's like 0 for 8 or 0 for 9 on Monday Night Football. And, I don't trust Kirk Cousins at all. And they blew a chance to win the division in their own building against yes. the Packers. And so, for that reason, I'm picking the Saints to win that one big. Now, Big. when you lose a division game in that context, I'm I'm going to word this carefully, but there's a little bit more of an understanding that it happened or an excuse, if you will, because yep. division games are tough no matter what the records are or whatever. They know you so well. We all know this. Second meeting of the year, and they've watched so much tape on you yep. because they're watching tape on the other division opponents playing you. They just know you so well, and that happens. But I'm with you. I just can't see it happening after uh, what happened. Now, they're – look – they do have some talent. There's no doubt about it. And the Saints can be vulnerable on defense, but I, I don't see the Saints losing that one either. All right, so Philadelphia and Seattle. This is a tough one. I haven't even looked at the lines on these games, but this is a tough one. I know Seattle's what real good. What would you good. set the line to be? What, what do you think the line is? Philly, two. You're, man, you're giving them some – you're giving Philly some credit that the uh, Vegas odds makers So they have Seattle not. as a road favorite. Seattle, one and a half. This is, all right, so people are always way too in love with Seattle. I, I know Seattle's really good, historically good this last decade. I'm not going to go back to the Hasselbeck era, but historically good. I get it, I get it, I get it. Come on. You're dealing with the link here. Uh, I, you know, I, I know the number is really about money and where it's going to go, so if you put Philly as a two-point favorite, yeah, everybody's going to come over to Seattle's side. Well, so they're a, trying to keep it even. Here's a big factor. After what? beating Minnesota, which mm-hmm. Seattle did 37-30, I believe that was like a Monday night game. Mm-hmm. After that, lost at L.A. 28-12. They then went to Carolina, beat Carolina on the East Coast 30-24. Then they lost to Arizona by two touchdowns. Then they lost the 49ers on that final play. Now, they to me, it came down to that final play, and it should have never come down to that final play. The 49ers had clearly won that game. So they've lost three out of their last four. Now, those three were NFC West teams, and the Eagles are not. But What they was I already... just saying about the division? Right. They were playing. They beat the Eagles on November 24th Wait, at so... Philly 17-9. So they lost to the Rams. They lost so the Rams. they lost to all three division opponents yes. down the stretch. Yes, all three. Yet, people... Now, I know Philly's not that good. I get it. They have a lot of injuries and everything, yes. but they're at home. And that matters. It does matter. That matters. Now, we've seen over the last three or four years... It doesn't matter. Last year in the wild card round, we got beat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm trying to think who else won divisions that ended up having to play. was I think it was three out of four home teams ended up getting beat. The only, the only uh, home team that held serve was Dallas, who ended up beating Seattle. I think uh, I'm trying to think who else won divisions last year. But the um, – because Kansas City had a bye. New England had a bye. Mm-hmm. And so the Ravens lost to the Chargers. At home. We lost to the Colts. Jeez, you had both AFC teams losing their yes. wild card home games. Yes. Yikes. Um, yeah, so you had seats five and six advance, and that's why Kansas City got Indianapolis um, in that one because they were the one seed. And then over in the NFC, you had da- Dallas ended up beating Seattle, so you had you had that one. Um, but the Bears, the Bears lost a double doink game. 
The double doink. Right at the end, the Bears also three. Is that what they call that one in Chicago? Double doink. I like double doink. Doink. Not for them, doink. but uh, okay. whatever. Yeah. Okay, John's going to stay with us. I need, look, you're going to give me a tease on tomorrow night's show. I need the three most important factors to pulling out a victory okay. from you. Okay. And I also have a couple of college football questions for you because they, there are 17 bowls after the <laughs> New Year's Day games and the semifinals. I can't figure it out. Calling all Houston area teachers, if you want to bring Texans football to the classroom, t- sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Conoco Phillips, a video series designed to help third and fourth graders how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Texans Radio. Rolling along Thursday night activity before the playoffs begin this weekend. 335 kick on Saturday. Texans and Bills. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Houston Methodist Minutes coming up. Starting good habits in the new year, eating habits, workout habits. We'll talk about that for a couple of minutes. But right now, Johnny, I need a sneak preview tomorrow night's show. It's the Friday night game plan show with you, and you do an outstanding job telling people what the big factors are. I want a quick sneak preview here. Give me three big factors in pulling out the victory on Saturday against the Buffalo Bills for these Houston Texans. Well, in facing the the Buffalo Bills offense, I I think – we all know about Josh Allen, but I think Devin Singletary has taken over as the key cog in that offense. They, they're they going to try and get him the ball at least 20 times. They'll get him 14, 15 carries. They'll target him probably four to five times in the passing game. He is extremely difficult to cover out wide. He's quicker than he is fast, but he can still run. He had 32 touchdowns when he was a sophomore at FAU in 2017. Didn't have as many in 2018 before he came to the league in 2019. I think Singletary is not getting quite his due. Because what's been happening is everybody's been talking about, oh, Frank Gore's still there, Frank Gore's still there. Over the last three weeks, four weeks, maybe even before that, Singletary's been the guy. Right. He's been the guy. You haven't even seen Frank Gore much. Gore comes in down on the goal line a little bit. And obviously if Frank comes in the game, you know what he's all about. You've seen him numerous times when he's with the Indianapolis Colts. But to me, Singletary's an issue because he'll go out wide. They'll throw him screens. He's got to be a guy that Zach Cunningham is all over all day long. Because if he's not, he's tough. He's quick. He runs. You can't find him behind that really big offensive line for Buffalo. So tackling him is not easy either. He's one of those guys that I mentioned earlier. He's just relentless in the way he goes about it. So uh, I think that's one thing offensively. The other thing I would, uh, against their offense, is that just watching Allen, he's, he can make every throw, and he's athletic to get out of the pocket. But I still think teams that blitzed him had success, hmm. that brought a lot of guys I had like success. This. Had I like success this. Because he got to where he's looking at the rush, he's looking for his escape plan, and guys are working to get open downfield, and he can't find them because the blitz is coming. Baltimore gave him a ton of issues with that. There was a run in the late second quarter, and I'm on it to the third quarter, I believe, and then late in the fourth, where where Wink Martindale, D.C. for Baltimore, just brought brought the funk and said, here you go. And he didn't handle it. He didn't handle it very well. He couldn't get the ball out quickly. And they that really was kind of the, the turning point in the game, the fact that he couldn't handle the blitz. Defensively, I, you know, when I watched the Patriots. One thing the Patriots did that I was not shocked, considering what the Eagles did, but following the Eagles' plan and following the Patriots' plan, both teams went right at the Bills. Hmm. They didn't try to go wide. The Patriots got in 21 personnel 
two backs and a tight end. And they took Landon Roberts, who is now, I think, a permanent fullback. And they put him at fullback, and they just went in downhill between the tackles. Even in the fourth quarter, the Patriots were down in the fourth quarter, and they went smash mouth. They just went right at Buffalo. And then when they had loosened Buffalo up, then they found Julian Edelman on a huge route that he caught, got, op- got open, caught it, went upfield, got him in the red zone. They were able to score a little while later. But the Patriots did not back down from how good a defense Buffalo was, and they just physically challenged them. The Eagles did that. That was the biggest margin of victory this year for the for the uh, or biggest margin of loss for the Bills was against the Eagles. And yeah, thirty one points, and yeah. they ran straight up the gut, and they went right at them. Now Miles Sanders had one screen pass, but they ran the ball right at the Bills, like right at them. They didn't try and go wide and let the linebackers run and make plays, or let the safeties come up and make plays. They went downhill between the B gaps, basically, and said, "Yes, yeah, Starla Tule, Jordan Phillips." Big guys, big players, but they just came off the football. They used a fullback. Now, that's not something the Texans do right. have one, but they haven't done it. So it'll be a little different how the Texans would approach it, but I do think there is that opportunity to get downhill against the Bills running the football that maybe you wouldn't think about because when you think about a great defense, you think, oh, you can't run the ball on them. I think if you decide that early on, oh, we can't run the ball on them, I think it's going to be – I think that's – it's going to hamper hands. Yeah, it's playing right into their hands. But if you physically answer them, and up front you just hit somebody in the mouth and you mix in your zone and your power game and your gap game, gap scheme game, I think you've got an opportunity to run the ball at them. And that's something you can't back away from. But what I just found interesting about it was that the, when the Patriots and Eagles had to have it in, in, in times against the Bills, that's what they went to. They went to the interior running game and really pounded on the Bills. So you're saying Singletary, stop him, run yes. up the middle, Yes, That's don't two. be afraid to do it. You got a third one? Yeah, here's the other one, I think, for the offense. I wouldn't be opposed to going with some tempo. Okay. To upping the tempo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just, just keeping the Bills kind of changing speeds. Because the Bills do adjust a little bit. They're not as they're not as big on making the, the wholesale personnel changes. Mm-hmm. They'll do it from series to series. Or, you know, you get a first down that might bring in Corey Legit and, and Ed Oliver. But they're not bringing in, like, you'll see us. We got a first down, second down crew, and then five guys come in, five guys go out. So they're not going to be like that. But I still think you might be able to hit them with some up-tempo, even if that's just to get your offense going. If you get kind of stagnant early, then use that up-tempo. Use that. Use the short passing game. They're going to play man coverage, but they'll play off man coverage. Tredavious White's very, very good in playing off coverage as well. So – Take what they take what they give you, but then move the sticks and use your up tempo a little bit and see if you can't get them back on their heels a little bit. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, shifting gears a bit here. A week ago, well, not quite a week ago, we had the Texas Bowl here, oh, and it was fun. a big success. That and you know, huge. it's a top five bowl in attendance, and it's safe to say because we just have the national championship left and a few other bowls that aren't going to do better than this bowl. Right. All right. Exactly. So that's an incredible feat, really. And a testament to all the people here who do a great job putting on that bowl and, of course, the fans who actually go to the bowl. So, great. But I'm confused. If you're commissioner of college football, <laughs> yes. what would you do, if anything? Maybe it's perfect the way it is. Now you get the four-team playoff. You had playoff games on Saturday. 
great. And then the Bulls continued. You had the NFL big day on Sunday, but then the Bulls continued. And New Year's Day felt right to me in a way. I was like, I was watching the Rose Bowl. I was watching the Sugar Bowl. This felt okay. Yeah. But I knew, and I didn't even know it was on the next day, but yeah. I knew that the Bulls would continue because I knew that there was something like Gator Bowl and certain Bulls had not been played yet. Yeah. And here they are. You yeah. still have a bunch of Bulls after New Year's Day. And I remember the first time or two where you had not the championship, but another bowl, like the GMAC Bowl yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that, after the New Year's Day Bowls. And I thought, that's kind of weird, but okay, whatever you say. But now the horse is out of the bar. Yeah. It's just a TV window, and they're going to stick a bowl in there. Why not? It's all TV shows. Do you think it's okay? Do you think they should change it? What are you thinking? I would like to see the playoff games on New Year's Day. I would like to see college football own New Year's Day as it used to. And I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I saw somebody tweet this. And said, I don't know how far back this was, but it may have been the mid-90s. And they said there were 18 bowl games. On New Year's Day? No. No, 18 bowl games oh, total. total. I'm thinking, well, that's a lot. Eight were on New Year's Day. Yep. So New Year's Day was it. I mean, it was college football. You say New Year's Day. Yeah, 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 college football. Yep. What has happened is New Year's Day, what do you think of? Rose Bowl. Right. That, that's gotten, and I think that's kind of they're what the not. They're not going to budge. The Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl will not budge. So can you can you work around that in some sense? Can you maybe maybe you play a I don't know maybe you play a playoff game that day with New Year's Day because you've got you're playing you're playing championship game on the thirteenth right. So if you played one game on the thirty first and one game on the first. You know, because the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowls aren't going to move, then maybe that's one. Maybe that's one way to do it. I just felt like playing them on Saturday because college football feels like it owns Saturday. You're playing them four days before, or three days, three or four days before January first. I hated it. Yeah. I absolutely could not stand it. it I was, was almost like wait, see- wait till this weekend, but then yeah. you're up against the NFL playoffs and you can't do that. Charlie. I know. And the pr- the problem and the sticking point is the Rose Bowl. So college football has to do one of two things. Number one, it has to say, okay, with this current format, we're just going to stick with it. We're going to play the games on Saturday, or we're going to play them on the 31st, uh, and, and you go, go from there. Or you call up the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl and say, hey, um, this is what we're doing with our playoff games. If you don't like it, you don't have to be on board. But this is how we're going to do it. And you dictate to the Rose Bowl and to the Sugar Bowl, it's no longer going to be that way. Those two have been the sticking points with the Bowl Coalition, yep. with the BCS, because they wanted the tradition. And especially I, and the I Rose get Bowl. I get, especially the Rose Bowl. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. What I would do is I would flip I would flip the Sugar Bowl and I would play it in the morning. Sugar Bowl used to be played in, in the early morning. Or not the early morning. When? When Herschel Walker was playing, that was a morning game. That used to be a morning game. Okay. So maybe you can flip, or like early afternoon. Okay. So maybe you can flip that. I don't know, but if the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl aren't going to get on board, then you just tell them, "Well, we're going to play our playoff games on January first, and if you don't want to get on board, fine." Uh, but your conferences aren't going to be happy that your champions aren't going to be playing in our playoff. You know, I, I complain about it sometimes, and I'm a traditionalist in some ways when it's convenient. Yeah. But it is kind of cool having football on 24-7, you know, because that's what it is. You put a football game on the air, people are going to watch it. It's going to outrate any other sport. That's just the way it is. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. All right, let's hit Houston Methodist minutes here, and it's the new year. All of you are making your resolutions. My gosh, are you doing a terrible job already? I'm just kidding. 
I am. Anyway, let's get some expert advice here with Dr. Vijay Jatwani of Houston Methodist on healthy habits, working out, nutrition, whatever. Dr. Jatwani, how's it going? Everything's going great, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, Happy New Year, and it's not happy for everybody necessarily when they want to start new habits and they have trouble sticking to them. Let's talk about post-holiday health patterns, habits, how people can get off to a good start eating, losing weight, working out, whatever they're doing to make it a happier new year in 2020. Well, the best advice I would have for someone who's setting that New Year's resolution around weight loss or exercise is to start slow. Start with a minor change that you can live with in your diet. Start with some light physical activity and build up from there. We would we want to harness that energy around those goals and motivations for New Year's resolutions, but we don't want to overdo it on day one and then end up maybe too sore to go back to the gym for a week or making a diet change that isn't something you can keep going with for the weeks and months ahead. Well, I like that idea. Let's give somebody a game plan here. So if they have that new behavior, that slow starting, one change here and there kind of behavior, how many weeks do you want to see before they start to layer on top of that with some more weight loss techniques, working out, whatever they might add to the mix? Uh, You know, I think adding on incremental changes every few weeks would be very reasonable. And that might even include some minor changes day-to-day in the gym. If you start out getting on the stationary bike for 15 minutes, well, by a few days later, you can up that to 20 minutes and 25 minutes. And what we don't want is the mistake as you go and show up on day one, you get on the bike for an hour, and then you end up really struggling with uh, being sore, not being able to keep that going for the long term. Do you find that the exercise bike or the elliptical or simply walking, running outside, there's one better than another to start out at if you haven't exercised for a while? What do you recommend, or does it vary from person to person? I would say walking is a good way to start if you really haven't exercised in a while, and the weather's great these days, so no excuses to not be outside and and doing some of that. But I would say the best thing we can do is do multiple types of activities. So not just one or the other, but if you can change it up day to day, you're going to help avoid injuries and it's going to keep things more interesting and fun as well. Doctor, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And once again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Dr. Vijay Jatwadi of Houston Methodist with some New Year's resolution to help for your workouts and healthy habits. It's all from Houston Methodist, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist leading medicine. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Don't forget, Texans Bills Saturday. How could you? 335 ABC 13 Sports Radio 610, the Bull 100.3 FM, the Texans app, smoke signals from the stadium. No, just stick to those broadcast media and we'll get you all squared away. Don't forget about Texans game day, 930 a.m. on KPRC Local 2. And then Texans Extra Points, 1 o'clock on ABC 13 to begin the whole pregame parade of shows prior to the playoff game. want to thank everyone who worked on the show and who listened to it tonight. Most importantly, have a great evening, everyone, and go Texans!